Radio Newark, the home of Radio Newark Sport. Weeknights from 7. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. Tonight, we meet a Collingham lady who is a member of the British Not For The Ordinary formation skydiving team. She's actually a Mackham. I've always liked Sunderland, though, as you all know. The Twins talk about a massive weekend in junior athletics and Graham updates us with all the Striders news. This is, of course, Radio Newark Sport. I'm Mick Bradley and these are the headlines. That was embarrassing. Newcastle music with a Mackham in the studio. Never mind. Amelia Crispin and Tom Evans were the Newark Athletic Club representatives at the English Schools Finals held in Birmingham over the weekend. Find out how they both got on from the Twins at 7.20. A proud day for Fondon Cricket Club with two of their youngsters representing Nottinghamshire. Congratulations to Libby Johnson and Rihanna Nolan Davis. A great end to the BMX Midlands Regional Series for Finlay Cranage. Finishing first in the B-Final, his best result of the season. He's given 100% in every race, a couple of crashes, but no serious injuries to our young star. The aim at the start of the campaign was to finish higher than his 18th place of last season. He's finished 11th in the reason. So, that's good well done, Finlay. And staying on two wheels in the East Midlands... We're at the Harvey Haddon Stadium where Finlay Bass won the combined under-14s boys and girls race. Florence Lisherman coming in second place to complete a 1-2 for Newark Castle Cycling Club. And there was the first place for cyclist Isabel Darvell at the Wallingford Festival of Cycling. Young lady there with a big, big future. And somebody else who's got a big future is Josh Burkett. The 15-year-old was playing for the Boston United under-18s. Where? No less a place than Liverpool at the weekend. Seven paddlers from the 4As attended the Iron Bridge Canoe Marathon on Sunday. They took part in Division 7 and 8 classes, which are run over the four miles. Jacob Marshall finished fourth in his Division 7 debut, while Daniel Warwick and Julie Gray, the one and only Julie Gray, secured second place in the K2s. Jacob Hay and Zach Marshall, of course, won their race. And a full report on that one on our social media pages. And don't forget, there's live football tonight, but you're not allowed to go until 8 o'clock. It's slow serve against Grantham at Lowfields. A special, special guest tonight. We don't often have world champions in the studio, but we've got one tonight. Kate Lindsley is here. Now, Kate... Believe it or not, has completed over 1,500 skydives. She is a British Parachute Association tandem instructor and a formation skydiving coach. Or to put it another way, she likes jumping out of aeroplanes. Um, and we're going to talk about skydiving tonight. It's a new one to Radio Neurosport, so I'm learning, 
you're all going to learn an awful lot tonight as we listen to what Kate's got to tell us. Um, we'll start with the one and only obvious question, but first of all, we'll say, Kate, welcome to Radio Newark. Um, thank, thank you very much. Thank you for a very busy schedule that you have for um, for popping in. Um, I don't think I've ever had a Macamere before, but um, <laughs> excuse the funny accent, but um, uh, let's get this one out of the way to start with. Why? So about 10 years ago, I was on a night out with a friend and we met some people who skydived and it was something that we talked about in the past about doing a tandem for charity. I'd been to Australia on a gap year and it was just one of those things I thought I would do when I was in Australia and I never really got round to it. I ran out of money, came back after I'd finished travelling. So we planned to do this tandem skydive and then my friend, being a little bit more crazy than me, decided that she would like to go on holiday for a week and do a full course to learn to be a qualified skydiver in Spain. So that was 10 years ago. So I went and joined her and we did a week's course. So you do a day in the classroom and then you do three jumps where you have two instructors that hold you and you basically have to get out the plane. They give you signals. You have to check what height you're at and you have to pull your parachute to pass your first level. And then after that, it's different things. You've got to do turns. You've got to be able to be let go of and you have a radio on. So they tell you when you're coming down. If you're going in the wrong direction, they'll tell you go left a bit, go right a bit. So that was 10 years ago. And then came back to the UK and started coming down to Langer at Nottingham. There's a big skydive centre there and absolutely loved it from the minute I started. So so we're going to find out, um, because amongst other things, you're, 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 I know you told me you're not a world champion, but you've been a world champion. You're current silver medalist, so that makes you the second best in the world. Um, and there's lots of stories to tell. I want to go back to the other day. That's what happens when you go out to Newcastle on a Saturday night, by the way. It is, it is. It, it is. <laughs> I, I've seen what Newcastle is like on, on, on a Saturday night, and... But hey, oh, that's what. Uh, yeah, um, what we'd like to do when we have a new friend come into Radio Newark Sport is find out a little bit about them. Um, mm. You was born in in Sunderland. Um, what's uh, I say the early days? You're not very old now, but uh, what, can you remember the early days up in Mackhamland? So my family were from Sunderland and I was born just a little bit south in Stockton. Um, so when I was brought up, obviously, up in Sunderland and Newcastle, it's quite football orientated. So I used to have a season ticket for Sunderland for about 14 years and used to enjoy going with my auntie and my great uncle. Uh, sport wise, I did a little bit of gymnastics when I was younger and then I really got into basketball. So that was my sport from when I was a teenager um, through to when I was at university. So I competed in that for quite a few years and then got to the point where I realised was probably reached a plateau of where i was gonna get <laughs> so that was my in, early years. In, in the short time I've, I've known you i would assume already though that um you had a decent little basketball career just wasn't playing for the school so tell me uh, about I've, your basketball i played um i actually played a lot in the men's leagues when i was younger because from when i was 12 to 16 on the boys leagues and there was a couple of girls because it was mixed and then i played for the under 18s national girls team for <laughs> there <nationals>. you go <laughs> well the under 18s national leagues no sorry not the national team and then went to university but i'm only five foot five and when I got to university, there was a lot of bigger girls there, a lot of Canadians, American girls, um, and I kind of realised that I was probably a little bit too small to be to be too. Yeah, good. five foot five <laughs> for a basketball player. Don't the two don't go together, do they? Not really? very well. No. Um, school in Stockton. Uh, school in Stockton. Yeah, yeah. So until I was sixteen and went to college, and my family had moved to Sunderland, so I spent a few years 
with Mananas and then went up to Northumbria University, which is where I qualified to be a physiotherapist. In between going out into Newcastle every Saturday night? Not every Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people from New York go up to Northumbria University and they mm-hmm. absolutely love it. I, I mean, it, it's, it, it strikes me as a very good university and the, the added-on attraction of, of Newcastle. Yes, yeah. I mean, the university's got a very good reputation um, with its medical stuff and its physiotherapy courses, and it's a really nice place to be. You know, you have got the city of Newcastle, but you've got so much countryside around it, Northumberland. You've got, you know, the beaches. Um, weather-wise, it's not always great up there, but when it is, it's it's absolutely stunning. The, the thing that has amazed me in the few years I've been travelling up there, it doesn't really matter what the weather is, does it? it they still do what they're doing it, 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 it <laughs> the weather doesn't interfere i i on long sands at um at kindmouth whatever the weather it, it's full of people it's just nice if it's sunshine if it doesn't make a lot of difference and we go and watch the boys play rugby on a sunday morning and both the wife and i have got hats scarves gloves a lot and they turn up in shorts and t-shirts <laughs> and amanda the daughter tells me that when we went well I've, I've had to go and pick her up from time to time you don't take a coat no. or a cardigan when you go out into Newcastle, do you? No, and that's something when I came down here, I found really strange that people wear coats and cardigans because, I don't know, up there you, you don't because there's nowhere to put it. So, you no. wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't bother. She, she was called a Southern Softie. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so, so you know, but uh, um, the one thing I have found about both, from both sides of the river, you'll never meet more friendly and genuine people. Yeah, and I think that's a nice thing about going out there, and that's partly why I ended up talking to these people because yeah. you'll go out and you, people are just talk to everyone up there. They it do, don't very, they? Very, very yeah. friendly. Yeah, it's and, very, and, very and different. Anyway, you got you got talking, and mm-hmm. um, probably had one too many to drink when you decided that's what you was doing. But um, you got talk talking um, on this Saturday night, mm-hmm. and. When you actually woke up sometime on Sunday, did did it sort of dawn what you'd sort of... No, I think, you know, it was something I'd always said I was going to do, so I never... I was never scared about doing it. It was just like, oh, I'll do one, I'll do a tandem. So it, it wasn't scary. And to be honest, we were just so excited about doing it. We spent a week on the internet looking at skydiving, which is when we realised that skydiving doesn't... I mean, a tandem jump is amazing, but there's so much more to it than that. And we found out about what you can do jumping with other people. We found out about the competitions. So by the time I did my course, I already even had in my mind, oh, I'd love to compete. I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. Um, So, yeah, I think I was just so excited. And I don't think I even got scared until about my 13th jump because I was so excited the whole way through. (laughs) Take me back to the course then because you mentioned it at, at, at the top of the show because this is what you you actually did first isn't it yes. before you went and sort of jumped out of things i mean if you yes. do if you're doing it for charity you sort of sign up and the first thing you do is is, is go to langer and get so, taken yeah, up if, in a you, play. if you want to do a one-off jump or you want to know if you enjoy it or you want to do it for charity or birthday then yes you can just turn up and um, as long as you're medically fit there's medical forms and um, they'll give you a brief which is about 20 minutes on there's still certain things you have to do in the jump to make it safe for you and enjoyable um, and you can just go and jump out or the other option is that you can learn to get a license to be a qualified skydiver and there's two two ways to do that there's two courses mainly um, one is uh, wraps or what they call static line which is what we get a lot of universities doing um, it takes longer to qualify but it's a little bit cheaper so they can spread it out over a few months 
and the static line you go up in the plane and you don't get any of the free fall so you get out the plane and your parachute is open straight away and then you're on the radio so they talk you through you still have a day learning on the ground about how to how to land a parachute how to set a pattern for when you're coming in all the malfunctions you need to deal with and then you can progress and you go up a bit higher and you free fall for five seconds 10 seconds 15 so we have a lot of students and a lot of people that learn that way and then the other way that you can learn is something called AFF which is where you get the free fall as well so it's more expensive but you can I qualified in a week so it's very if you get the weather you can do it a lot quicker so you have two instructors that hold on to you and like I said you have an altimeter on your arm which tells you what height you're at and each level is different so you start with two instructors and then after a couple of levels as long as you pass then you go down to one instructor holding you and then after that you qualify and you just need to jump on your own to do certain things and then once you're qualified then you can do other qualifications to jump with other people and there's all different types of flying and different competitions that you can do from there so this week's course then was at langer actually my yeah. week's course i did in spain you did in spain so we went to spain for a week yeah and um, good weather <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you could pay for your week's course at Langer and you can have a British summer's week and not leave the ground. But yeah. um, So going to Spain, um, so look, or, or almost guaranteed? Well, it, it's not because the, of the winds and other things. And at the time, we didn't know anything about skydiving. We didn't know that Langer existed. We didn't know how many drop zones there were in the UK. And it was just something we found on Google when we were searching about how, how what places you can do to qualify. So yes, it was good in the in the way of that weather, but you'll also find it varies. Obviously, if you're in the winter, you're going to be some weeks coming down, some weeks not. In the summer, sometimes we can get perfect weeks and people can get through it in four or five days. Other times, it might take them a few weeks of coming backwards and forwards, depending on the weather. So yes, it's more guaranteed abroad, but it's still not. So how, how many of you went to Spain? Uh, so there was two of us and then there was about another 12 people on our course. So the rest of the people on the course were mainly um, military. There's a lot of military guys, army, navy that were, were coming to do it. And part of them were funded through the through the military. Some of them just enjoyed it as a hobby. So yeah, there was a quite a big, quite a lot of us on the course. So you, you and your partner friend went went over to Spain, um, passed the course. Yeah. How, how many times did you jump during that? I mean, just take us through the week. I mean, I know you already have mentioned it, but just yeah. just take us through the week. So I did my first three levels, three jumps with two instructors, and then I did another three jumps with one instructor. And then I did another 11 jumps on my own to qualify. And I think in the full week we were there, probably there about 10 days actually, I did about 23 jumps if I remember, something like that. Um, and then came back to the UK after that and carried on the next week. You're still living up north. Yep. Um, I would suggest there's probably not that many skydiving establishments <laughs> up there do you, there do you, is actually oh there is, <laughs> there is oh yeah. excellent <laughs> um there's about 27 skydiving centers in the uk so there was actually one at peter lee i don't know if you know the yeah. area very well um but we actually got talking to people and the two biggest centers in the uk are langer and hibblestow in lincoln and they're by far the, they've got a lot of fun jumpers so they do tandems but they're the busiest drop zones in the uk so we've got 28 but i used to drive past peter lee um, and then come to Langer because it had such a good reputation. It also had a lot of the top teams at the time, a lot of the top British coaches. Um, so, yeah, that's where I started off. I, I was just thinking to myself while you're saying that, jumping out over Northumberland, I mean, that must be... 
don't know if you've ever done that, but I mean, North London, the scenery is. So I haven't jumped at Peter Lee. Stunning. You go sort of north and go north of Annick into the hills. Yeah, there isn't anything there. So there's a couple in Scotland, Mm. um, St Andrews and Strathallan, and then there's nothing till you hit Peter Lee. And then I work this year. I work at um, Cark, which is in the Lake District, which is stunningly beautiful. Yeah, we'll come yeah. to that one because that yeah. one must be. So you drove past Peterley down the A19 onto yeah. one every single weekend Pretty to much. Um, yeah. to Langa. When did it sort of? When did did you realise that this is becoming serious? Um. So after probably. It wasn't that long. I was probably jumping for about five or six months when there was some teams starting to form. So some new jumpers who wanted to start getting into this competition. Um, And in the UK at the time, we had about 90 teams. It was a really big competition. So I started with about 50 jumps. This team asked, we're looking for somebody. And I said, oh, I'd be really keen. I'm new, but I'm I'm really eager. Um, And that was my first team, which was called Chaos. And <laughs> we were all new. Okay. We were all new to it, and we used to go to the wind tunnels, which are the indoor skydiving places in the UK. And we used to train in there, and then we'd jump out, and we just started competing in the re- like. There's a regional competition, so there's three regional competitions a year, and then the British Nationals, which is at Hibblestone in Lincoln, every August. And we competed in there after about about eight months of training. And we won the rookie category, so the first category you can enter. So that was... That, that got me hooked. Right, yeah. so you're hooked on it now. Yeah. And obviously, it's not viable to travel from Sunderland to Nottinghamshire every single no. weekend. So um, so the last couple of years I've been based, yeah, around Langer and I've just moved to Collingham. So you're now a Collingham girl. Full time, yeah. Uh, excellent stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's where we're going to leave this first part because we're going to catch up with the twins and talk um, all about athletics. And then we're going to come back because there are hundreds of questions on this list that um, we need to go through. But it, it, I mean, some people say it's not a sport. It, it, it is a sport. It's definitely a sport. How big is it? How big is it? Yeah. Um, so, oh, at our four-way nationals last year, which is one competition, we had about 300 people enter, and there's different competitions. So I would, I don't know how many members we have in the UK. That's really bad. I should know that. Um, popular worldwide? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every- I, mean, I mean, like, let's go back to basketball. We're a yeah. little sort of country at basketball, yeah, yeah, aren't we? Yeah. Is it the same? I mean... Um, are there giants of skydiving there is giants of skydiving yeah and there's some countries that fund that they're funded by their government or they're funded by their oh, military don't get me on that one so they're fully funded full-time full-time skydivers and yeah. i can i know the answer to the next question you're not are you we're not fully funded unfortunately no. No. we've been there before on that <laughs> one coming up next the twins and the new york athletic club every tuesday night as you know we catch up with the twins or invariably one of the twins tonight it's tilly's turn because lauren's got got no doubt gone off pole vaulting again and tilly's gonna tell us about a um a massive weekend in the junior athletic calendar yeah. and uh, a couple of new york athletes um competing tilly all yours so we had a successful mini league on the weekend and we had quite a few youngsters again so it was a really good experience there was a lot of newcomers who came out and they came out of their comfort zones and had a really good race and they also had good relays and made a positive start for their first track debut. So, well done to all of them. And then 
on the Friday, Saturday, we also had English schools, cross, English schools athletics. And there was Tom Evans, who ran in the 400 metres, and he actually got into the final and came home in fifth with a time of 49.77. And he's been injured for the last year, year and a half. So he did really well to even make it to the final. And we also had Amelia Crispin, who did the 1500 metres. And she also made it to the final and finished in 10th with a time of 4 minutes 42. So she, for her first ever English schools, did really well in a big field to make it to the final. And then on Sunday, we had the Northern League, and that's for under-17s and above. So it's like the adult races. And that was at Cudworth, and there were some excellent throws, and a lot of people got PBs, and we had some good relays. For the women, we had a 4x100 relay, and they came second. And we also had a 4x400 relay, and we came second as well, I think. And then the men's also had a 1x400 relay, and I'm not sure what they came, but they did really well. And we also had a 4x400 relay as well. So a lot a lot turned out on the weekend, so it was really good. And newer Casey, again, it's stronger and stronger, and there's more bodies all the time, isn't there? And, yeah, it's an, and, and that's what it's all about. And you're going to tell us about that tomorrow night, because um, both you and Lauren are coming into the studio tomorrow. And um, it's that transition now, isn't it, from junior athletics that um, you've loved for so long... Um, You've had to say goodbye to, and um, hello, senior athletics. Yep. <laughs> so you're going to tell us all about that, and we're going to try and look at some memories of you both as well. And uh, big sister's coming as well, Amber, um, who's, um, as we all know, um, been in the States, and she's due to go back to the States soon, I would have thought. Um, but in the meanwhile, she's going to come and have a, a chat, and we'll see, if, we'll see if she's got an American accent. Yeah. <laughs> you won't be... No, she's not really, but... She might do a tiny bit, but not to me, she hasn't. <laughs> well, if she does tomorrow night, she's certainly going to get the mickey taken out of her. Yes. Um, we'll, see, we'll see the old complete Owens family tomorrow night. Tilly, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Tilly Owens there. And uh, that is the plug for tomorrow night. <clears throat> Team Owens are in the studio. Tilly, Lauren and Amber, all good friends of the show, and, of course, Dad Gareth is going to be here as well. Um, we're skydiving tonight, and I'm absolutely fascinated by the subject. Uh, not that I'm going to have a go, because I'm too old. Um, You're not definitely so- not. Uh, uh, yeah, that <laughs> not took a long time to come back. Um, <laughs> what I want to go in next, before we start talking about um, your record, so to speak, um, I want to look at the safety aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um what you told me before we started the show, it's probably one of the most safety conscious and best safety record sports there is out there, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, as far as um, skydiving, mean, obviously we have to be very, very safe in what we do and we try and make it as safe as possible. So as far as doing tandems, the UK is one of this, well, this got the, one of the best safety records in the world. So we've not had anybody die doing a tandem for over 25 years, which is pretty good going. And our equipment has become more and more advanced. So we even have a little computer system on our parachutes that will detect how fast we're falling and what height we're at. And if we did nothing at all, so say we had a medical problem, a heart attack, we were knocked unconscious, then it would open the parachute for us if we did nothing at all. Um, We also have um, two parachutes, so we have a reserve parachute. So 
about one in a thousand times. Sometimes you'll have an, a slight issue with your parachute. You don't particularly want to land it. There might be some twists in it and um, might have a problem. And we have a reserve backup and that's packed every six months, whether it's been used or not, um, by an experienced rigger. And at that time, your rig is, your parachute is checked. Your rig is checked for any wear and tear. And then all the parachute companies around the world, if there's any, any new bulletins, anything identified anywhere in the world, then they will recall gear or put out notices to people to, to tell them. So there's a little gadget that is, you've got attached to you somewhere that actually can detect if you've gone to sleep. Yes, basically. It's, to, it's put called, it bl- to put it bluntly. To put it bluntly, yeah. It's an AAD and it has been used um, in the UK and worldwide and it's been used in several occasions where, like I said, heart attack um, and also when someone was knocked unconscious um, in free fall when they collided with another jumper um, and also if someone is having so much fun they have forgotten to pull their parachute. <laughs> Okay, you've never done that, I hope. <laughs> I, I haven't, Touchwood. Um, but it's wonderful, isn't it, that technology can can, can just be there, can't, and that's just it, it's, it's just attached to, to you, and yeah. it, it, it's it's there. You forget it's there, but we're it, trying to make it as safe as possible. Yeah, it's it, still not. It's not. You know, I'm not going to say skydiving is safe because that's that's not a correct statement. You know, I was saying to you earlier, you can drive a motorbike at five mile an hour down the road or you can drive it at 260 mile an hour or whatever they do on the Isle of Man TT and it's the same with our parachutes we have different parachutes in different disciplines and some of those parachutes go very very fast to the ground and so there are always risks and when we're landing obviously we're landing on grass and sometimes it's uneven so you can you can get injured skydiving but we make it as safe as possible. Fitness um I, I'm assuming that. Well, first question: if, if anybody, literally anybody, wants mm-hmm. to do a a, a um, tandem one for charity, our, our, our wonderful breakfast show hosts Matt and Vicky, yeah, um, they are going to jump out of a plane mm-hmm. um, uh, on behalf of the Children's Bereavement Centre. It, it should have been this year, but with um, Vicky's knee operation, mm-hmm. it's been put back to next year. Um, neither of them are. are particularly big so they're all right there um is there a weight limit um there is and it varies in the uk depending on where you jump so normally there is a weight restriction around the 15 to 16 stone mark that's not everywhere some drop zones some airfields will take up to 18 20 stone that i'm aware of um, and it depends on the equipment that they've got really um in the states they sometimes don't have a weight limit um, no, but they're all big over there, aren't they? But they have a lot bigger equipment, and yeah. they're yes, ready, for, uh, custom for it. So. so there's no excuse there for Matt and Vicky. Um, <laughs> your fitness regime and what they would have, what 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 would they do to prepare for it? For, uh, for let's tandem- do them two first. Okay. What would they? What would you recommend that they do? Because they'll be doing a tandem one, obviously. Yeah. So for a tandem skydive, um, you you fill in a medical form. So obviously, if you're fit and healthy normally um, and you meet all that criteria, then you don't have to do anything else. If there's anything on there, like you've had recent surgery and you've got heart problems, you know, there's certain certain problems, then you may have to see a doctor. And it would be then up to the doctor's discretion if they felt that a skydive was going to be safe for you because they're 
bear in mind the adrenaline um, and also going up in the plane, the oxygen levels might be slightly lower. So there's some people that medically are not allowed to do to do a skydive. But most of the time, as long as you're medically fine or your GP says you're stable, um, then the next thing really is just that you have to be strong enough to lift your legs for landing. And that's the main thing that we are concerned about and the main thing that we check when you come to do a tandem skydive. And you have to have some core strength. So if they're planning to do it, then they need to be able to sit on the ground and lift their legs. So if they want to do some sit-ups before or some core work, some planks, something like that, um, then that would help them to be safer because we need them to lift their legs when they come in so the instructor's legs go down first. So um, we'll get them on a bit of a fitness regime. <laughs> I might go to the gym and so, and so does Vicky. We've just got to get Vicky up and running and again. Your fitness yeah. then, I mean, I'm assuming... You're on a fairly strict fitness routine. So fitness-wise, there is, there's an element of cardiovascular, there's an element of strength, core strength, um, when we are skydiving. So we tend to, between the team, every week or every couple of weeks, we will send out our update of what we've been doing to keep ourselves physically fit when we're not together training. So that might be, each of us has our own individual. I like to do some swimming, I do a little bit of running, and I like to do weight training in the gym. And the main fitness that we do that's specific for our sport is that we train a lot in the indoor wind tunnels, which is the indoor skydiving centre, mainly at Bedford in the UK. It's a big room. It's got a big fan and it blows us off the floor and it creates about 120 mile an hour winds for us so that we can now, practice now, what now we th- do. This, you told me about this a bit earlier on and I was, how can you have indoor skydiving? Just... just elaborate a bit more on it can you okay so this facility was actually used initially or designed to test um airplane parts and things like that and and then it didn't work out and they worked out that actually this was quite a fun thing that they could create they could blow people off the floor and they could create the wind speed that you have falling out of a plane so a big glass tube up to the ceiling and you can go in there from and the good thing with it is you can go in there from any sort of age I would normally recommend around sort of four or five years. It depends on how how confident the children are. I have had someone in there about two and a half, but they need to be confident. And as long as you're medically fit, you can go in there and you can get the experience of how it feels to skydive. They even have one of those VR headsets that you can put on, um, which puts you in a plane and it gives you the visuals of jumping out of a plane as well. So there's the option to do that. But we spend a lot of time training there because it's very specific. We're using a lot of muscles when we skydive. Um, And it's very, very specific to what we do when we jump out of a plane. So that's what we use for fitness. Right. You've heard all about, Kate. We're now now going to make a blush a little bit because um, the British Not For The Ordinary, which is a brilliant name, actually, skydiving team, um, and you was one of the four members to be honoured by the Royal Aero Club at their annual award. Tell me a little bit more about that. That was amazing. So we were surrounded by people of all ages that have done some incredible stuff in aviation, um, pilots, hang gliders, all the sports associated with the Royal Aero Club, and it was a real honour to um, to get the the prince of wales cup so for you, our achievements. You, you've won you won the prince of wales cup and now um i'm gonna let you tell tell us who presented it to you baroness name. <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant 
There'll now be a slight delay while she catches up. Second I am, paragraph. I am pushing now. <laughs> I'm not very good with names. Not very good. Baroness Fair of Norberton. If I've pronounced that right, which I probably haven't. And she was lovely. She was absolutely lovely. She was absolutely lovely. You see, I, I couldn't let you get through the all the hour sort of... Um, Knowing every answer to the question, Parliamentary Under Secretary for State at the Department of Transport uh, at the Royal at the Royal Air Force Club, and I should think, yeah, that was a day to remember. It was. It was fantastic. Um, it was incredible to see all those and hear all the stories about what people had achieved over their life. It was. It was fantastic. Um, and she did highlight. She she did highlight there was only us and two other women that got out of about sixty or seventy awards were female, and she said we need to push more in the sport of aviation and aviation sports to get more women into the sport which was nice so you don't know you didn't know who presented it to you but um can you remember your teammates names yes <laughs> go, on, go on then let's give them a plug um so we've got sean stokes you got anna hicks you got vanna parker and our cameraman simon simon brentford well done i'll i'll, I'll give you that one um absolutely one wonderful um we, but in, in all this, before we go on to the World Championships and everything, it's still just a hobby. Uh, it's a big hobby for me. And the last couple of years, it started to become, I work in the sport a little bit more. So I started just generally coaching people for free to be able to jump, to get their qualifications to jump with other people. And then I started coaching other four-way teams, other teams in the UK at lower level to bring them up. And then I started flying camera to film people doing tandems. And then the last two years, I've been taking people to do tandems. So I started to work in the sport as well. But you can also meet up with Kate during the week. I am work as a physiotherapist in Newark. Yes, there we go. So um, that's the day job. That's the day job, yeah. Yeah, and I'd... I, I How much physio- longer for will that be the day job? Um, so I I work as a locum um, in the NHS at the moment because I have to have time off every three or four weeks. We tra- At the moment we're training one week about every four weeks. Um, so we go out the country or we train at Hibblestone, Lincoln. Um, so I have to have a job that's flexible. So I left, I worked in the NHS for six years and then the last six to seven years I've done locum contracts. So I work during the week, three or four weeks and then go away. And I would love to compete our big big competition is in russia and serbia next year and i'd love to go full-time but we we used to be sponsored by the cycling brand nfto which is where our name comes from um and we haven't got a big sponsor at the moment we do get some help from some really good skydiving companies and from our bpa which is our british parachute association but to go full-time we we ideally need another big sponsor if anybody's listening out there she's wonderful she's absolutely wonderful and um yeah, we want her at the World Championships, and we want to, and we want to sponsored. And um, we're happy to change the team name if it sponsors <laughs> yes. is enough. If anybody wants, to, yeah, come on, get out there. Um, I'm still going to wait for this World Championship to come because what I want to talk to you about next: your visits to Australia. Yes. So we were in Australia for the World Championships last year. Um, I was the alternate for the girls on the four-way and I competed actually on the British eight-way so there was eight of us on the team that went and it was amazing it was very very unique it was on the gold coast and normally you're on a skydiving centre when you go to these competitions but this one had been set up purely for the world championships so we had some beautiful scenery and we had a lovely landing area an athletic stadium and rugby pitch if the pilot got it right and the winds were good 
And if they didn't, we had a lot of off landings we had to avoid. So we were told not to land in the canals because there was bull sharks, not to land in a certain area because there was crocodiles, not to land in the forest and not to land in the school fields during school hours. Brilliant. Um, I did pick up on that one, though. If you, re- if you land in the wrong place, it's the pilot's fault. No, no, no. <laughs> That's what <laughs> you always, said. Not always, not always. <laughs> we, we are meant to check when the pilot tells us we can get out. We look, we look out the plane and we check that we agree we're in the right area. And if we agree with the pilot, we get out. <laughs> but the winds can change, so sometimes we get caught out. So it's a bit like football, really. The goalkeeper gets the blame. It's in this case, it's the pilot that gets the blame. <laughs> I'll come to any disasters um, in 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 I mean a couple of minutes, but I would think jumping out in somewhere like Australia with a guaranteed clear blue skies is that's when it gets special. It is special, and we took the British weather with us because they had the worst weather they'd ever had, and it rained for the first three or four days that the competition was meant to be on. But after that, we had mainly blue skies, and we did have some cloudy days, which were we were a little bit more worried about whether we could see the ground when we were getting out. Um, but yeah, it was beautiful scenery, and I spent about four months um, over at the Skydive Centre at Ayers Rock in Australia, which is just something else. It's stunningly beautiful and, yes, 46 degrees every day in the winter or their summer, um, but pretty special. I should think Australia may well see you again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, how difficult is it to steer the parachute then? Um, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you've got two, two toggles, two sides. If you pull down on the left one, it goes left. If you pull on the right, it goes right. And if you pull both at the same time when you're landing, it slows the parachute down as you come in to land. So it's not it's not complicated. So there's not really any excuses for not landing on the cross. Uh, winds. So if you get out the plane and you're going into wind and it's too windy, you can't quite get there. <laughs> Have you ever sort of finished or landed? That shouldn't have happened. That's wrong. I'm nowhere near where I should be. That's a disaster. I've had a few. So I jumped in Northern Ireland um, at Walkies, which is beautiful drop zone. Um, the problem is everything is green there. So the runway is grass. The buildings are a couple of green and everything else just looks the same. And it was the first time I jumped there and I opened my parachute and I just didn't know where I was. <laughs> and I was jumping with a couple of girls who normally jump there. And I followed one of them and we landed two miles away. Oh, right. Is that a long walk home then or does it affect you? Uh, we hitched a ride. <laughs> you hitched a ride. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, let's get back to um, a selection of achievements from your club. Included 2013 World Cup bronze medal, European silver, a bronze medal in the 2016 World Championship, a bronze in the 2016 World Cup for indoor skydiving. That still amazes me. The 2018 European Indoor Champion silver medal, the 2018 World Championship silver medal and gold in the 2018 World Cup of Sport for indoor skydiving. I told you you got a world champion. We have got a world champion. And uh, your team is also the current British Open National Championships. That's not a bad CV. It's not. <laughs> We're doing pretty well. And to be fair, I've only been on the team a couple of years, so some of those earlier ones aren't. I wasn't a part of it. But you yeah, they've still, had a good record. So let, let's go back, obviously, 2018. And let, let's go 2018. A 2018 Indo- European Indoor Silver Championship. Whereabouts was? That was in Voss in Norway. So that was a beautiful, beautiful part of the world beautiful wind tunnel and yeah 
phenomenal. That was one of the first competitions I did with the girls. So that was the Europeans, and then the um, World Championships, a silver again. That, yep. Followed by the gold, the gold. The, in the 2018 World Cup of Indoor Skydiving. Now, that has got to be a story I'm going to sit down and listen to. That was pretty special for us. So that was in Bahrain, and it was an incredible place to be, and they made such an effort in Bahrain. They had it advertised all over the city. We had some of the royal family there. Um, they put on a really, really good show for us. They really did. It was really stunning, and we are very, very lucky in Bahrain. Most of our competitions... Um, there's no sort of prizes or prize money, but um, in Bahrain they, they put prize money on to encourage people from all over the world to go. So that was a nice bonus because that paid for some of our training for last year. But it was very, very special. It's the first time I've won a gold medal on a world stage and my team have. And yeah, it was very, very special. Very so special. Tell us how many jumps and about the jumps and so you have 10 rounds in the indoors the same as you would outdoors so we have different formations there's about 22 30 there's about 38 different things you can build different formations and each round is drawn out of a hat or a computer system and then you have them on one night and you get to we use um like skateboards on wheels like with four wheels and we lay on our stomachs and we practice how we're going to make those formations as efficiently as possible so we have a set routine we have to do but who we put in what position um, and how we get there we go through with our coach on the night and we practice and then the first day we do normally three rounds so each round is about is scored for 35 seconds so as we get in the wind tunnel and the clock starts it's all filmed and the judges sit and score how many points we do and make sure they're all correct we come out and then the video is played and it is judged so we can see how many points we got and the same with every team so we have one round and then we normally have an hour and a half in between and then we go back and do another round out another round and each time our coach is with us and giving us guidance on what we should do for the next round but also it's a mental game a lot of it is is the mental ability to keep calm under pressure to remember the specifics of what we're doing in that jump and he's responsible for helping us engineer how to do the dive but also helping us to keep those cut on top of those nerves when did you realize you'd won oh (laughs) was it all on the last jump or uh, Um, did you know by then or in that competition i think by the time we got to the seventh round we were very lucky we were we battle with the french girls every year the french girls are a very very good team and they had a new lineup for that year so they were still coming through and we didn't know till we got to their competition where they'd be and we also knew there was a team coming from China that we knew nothing about. We knew they'd been training really hard, but we'd never seen them. We knew the Americans had a team that were going to be fantastic. The Russians have one of the world champions on their team. We knew they were going to be strong. So going into it, we, we knew that we had a chance of one of the medals, but we really didn't know what the other teams were going to do. It's the first time we've seen a lot of them. Um, and when we got to about round seven, I think we were probably about six or seven points up after round seven. First day, we were very, very close. And it was quite scary to see all these teams, and we we're all. And then by round seven, we're starting to think, oh, we we, we might have got this if we can keep it together. Um, so yeah, very very happy. Celebrations? Because yes. in Bahrain, you was, I assume you can't celebrate with a bottle of bubbly. Um, they were actually very very good. <laughs> <laughs> they put us on a private island with free alcohol <laughs> for the night. That that that's the idea. Um, I'm going to go from one extreme to the other because when we come back after our little chat with Graham and find out all the Striders news, I want to know what it's like because 
your other, part of your other job is um, going tandem with people who's never jumped out of a plane yeah. in their life. So I'm intrigued at what some of the reactions are. A little bit more from Kate to come. And before that, of course, it's Tuesday night at about 10 to 8. It's Strider's time with Graham. Graham, what have you got to tell us this week? Yeah, good evening. Yeah, I think the biggest news from Strider's from Sunday is that none of us were racing. Uh, can't remember the uh, last time that happened, and uh, certainly not during the time that I've been collating the results. Um, I think with all the excitement at Wimbledon and Lords and Silverstone, the nation probably wasn't quite ready for some Strider's results on top, but... Uh, did we have the Sunday off? Of course we didn't. We had a, a club out in uh, running along the Grantham Canal, sort of 11 miles or so along there. Very nice indeed. Um, of course we didn't have a week off uh, in terms of racing. Um, so we uh, go back to last Wednesday and uh, the fourth event in the uh, Knotts to Play summer, se- summer Series, and that was at Worksop College. Uh, 27 striders uh, over there for the uh, four and three quarter mile uh, event so uh, it was a really enjoyable evening for those that went I couldn't make it myself so we had 27 there the first uh, uh, of, of the women to finish was uh, Philippa Clark she did an excellent time there 37 minutes and uh, 41 seconds followed by Jess Gordon 38 minutes and 23 seconds Kate Driscoll 39 uh, and 56 I won't go through everybody but we had Jackie Jackson 41 minutes and 41 uh, Esther Parry 48 minutes and 43. Chris Craig, 48 uh, minutes and uh, 58 seconds. Anthony and Moisey, 51 minutes. In the men's race, uh, we had uh, Matt Silk, who was the first uh, New York Strider over the line, 31 minutes and 13. David Cross, 31 minutes, 36. Uh, David Fowler, 33 minutes, 55. Uh, plenty of others. Peter Davis is uh, leading his age group in the, uh, in the series so far. He crossed the line in 36 minutes and 4 seconds. Last Wednesday, and we had the likes of Michael Hancock, 30, uh, 39 minutes and 21 seconds. Andy Sears, 41 minutes and 53. So, so 27 was there, and a good time was had by all. And after four races, the men's veterans team are sitting in 10th place, and the women's veterans team are sitting in 9th place. So uh, I've got one more event to go in that series, and uh, interesting to see what happens towards the end. So in terms of uh, what's coming up then... Um, Thunder on this weekend, that's over in Staffordshire, and uh, we, we do this uh, event every year, it's a 24-hour event, and either alone, or as a pair, or as a small team, or a large team of men, women, or mixed, you uh, have to do as many 10k uh, laps as possible in 24 hours, and uh, yeah, it's a very social event, a bit of team bonding, a bit of camping going on, and uh, running around in the dark, head torches and things. There's usually a bit of a social on the Friday evening. Uh, of course, I'm planning my strategy and uh, taking on board some uh, essential isotonic sports drinks and everything else, and everybody else is uh, um, yeah, sort of testing out the local beer and things like that. But uh, yes, a very sensible, <laughs> very enjoyable weekend. I'll tell you all about that one. And, that's, and the last one we've got going on is the Grimsley 10K, a few people going over there for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely sure, Graham, that they're all going to be on isotonic drinks. Yeah, OK. It is isotonic, apparently. Yeah. Yes. Um, I know the Strider's better than that. Yeah. But one thing you will have is an awful lot of fun. We will indeed, and I'll tell you all about it next week. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers, then. Bye-bye. Thanks, Graham. Bye-bye. And, uh, yes, isotonic drinks, I don't think so. Um, plenty of cake and probably an awful lot of wine as well. Um, 
we've done the serious side, we've done the world championships, and you know, you are quite frankly the best in the world. And, and you know, we thank you for coming into Radio Newark. Um, but you also take people who's never jumped out of an aeroplane in their lives before. I do. Um, you must have some wonderful tales to tell, so I'm going to just sit back and <laughs> because it, it, it's. I think I, I, we, I th- we spoke to Paul Dobb a couple of weeks ago, and Paul is a brilliant lad in self-confidence, no problem whatsoever, but he was almost a quivering wreck <laughs> beforehand. Now he wants to do it again and again and again and again. Um, what what sort of reactions have you had? And You get all sorts of reactions. So people do it for all sorts of reasons, and it can be anything from, you know, people will get it for a birthday present or a Christmas present, and they might have wanted it they might not have wanted it (laughs) and they might be super excited really chatty and then in free fall they can be smiling away you know just totally in the moment and just having a brilliant time and you get other people that are absolutely terrified and part of my job when I'm taking people to do tandems is really to to be there for them to reassure them to talk them through it because to do something that you are absolutely terrified of to achieve it can give people so much more confidence to do to go on and do other things in life you know if they have an interview or something else they can go well i jumped out of a plane if i can jump out of a plane i can do anything else and you get you know they'll come down on it i would say 99 percent of people come down after a tandem and say it's one of the best things they've ever done in their life they want to do it again or even if they don't want to do it again it's it's a memory that they will treasure forever and then you get a lot of people doing in the uk doing it for charities and sometimes that's very very close to people's hearts they may have lost a loved one or had a loved one go through you know a serious illness and it can be really emotional for them you know they if they've lost someone and they've they're putting themselves through this and it's really terrifying but they're doing it for a really good cause they can be really emotional they can get very upset in a good way for what they've achieved um so you get some really amazing stories from people of why they're doing it and i've taken people from all ages from 16 up to i've had someone from 75 we had someone in the lakes that was 100 year old last two weeks ago doing it so it's it's amazing to hear their stories their reasons why they do it and it's beautiful to see their reactions and how much they enjoy it i love being part of that have you had anybody that's sort of got there and said no touchwood i i've not had anyone refuse yet um I've not had anyone be sick on me and then nobody faint on me. So that's the, I've got a good record at the moment. Um, I've been on the plane when we've had somebody who's not wanted to do it, but I think she already knew she didn't want to do it and was maybe forced, not forced into doing it, but was encouraged to do it by a relative and didn't want to. And yeah. we have a very strict thing. If we, if we get on the plane and, and someone says, I don't want to go, then then that's it. We we don't force them to, we don't push them to, That that's their decision. We come down in the plane. But you'd be surprised once people are on that plane and, you know, if we talk them through it and explain what they've got to do and, yeah, it's... I've and, I, I know you're sort of both connected, mm-hmm. but you've said yourself you're five foot five and yeah. there's nothing at all to you, so um how do you because you're operating the thing they're, yeah. they're just a uh, hate to say this a dead weight but you're operating the thing aren't, aren't, yeah. aren't, aren't you and you you can be 
half the weight. Yeah. Um, so for me, it is it's, it is physically a lot harder to fly the parachute than it is to fly my own because of the, the pressure on the toggles when there's two people. So I spent quite a lot of time in the gym before I became an instructor, really getting my strength up because when they're on the plane, they've got to I've got to manoeuvre them to the door and um, Laura's onto the floor. So it is, it is quite physical. And then when we're out of the plane, the, the actual skydiving, it doesn't really make a difference to me how how much they weigh because I'm reliant on my skills as a skydiver and I don't find that a problem. I don't vary it between someone that's seven stone and someone that's 15 stone. It, that doesn't make a difference. When they come into land, um, it makes it a bit bit harder on my arms. It's quite physical. I'll finish a weekend and <laughs> I feel like I've beat the gym. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a physical job, but there's no reason why anyone of any gender or any size or shape can't do it do, do you have, have you that ultimate list of how many times you have actually skydived we i mean do, i know it says over 1500 on here but yeah. do you know what the total is i haven't we have a logbook so we have to log every single jump that we do um to keep a record of it for our um for our instructor ratings and also for information whenever we travel around the world so i haven't got my logbook with me but i think i've got about 1700 and 20 at the moment around that have to fill it in from the weekend um but yeah we have to keep a log okay um what's next i mean we're we're, we're two minutes from a, from a finish but uh what what's next in kate's skydiving life so we have uh, our next training is at hibblestow in lincoln for a week and that's in about four weeks of time and that's in preparation for the british nationals which is in august so we'll be competing there um, aiming to try and win again but we are going to have tough competition this year um, but that is our goal to qualify for the next world championships uh, next year and then we go off to portugal to train for a week in september and then we're at arizona in america for the world cup and um, where we'll be competing and hopefully meddling arizona and, and you'll be guaranteed the sunshine it, I'd be very upset if it's raining. <laughs> Even you can't take the British weather with you to Arizona, surely. <laughs> I think they'd be thankful if we did, but I, I don't think it'll rain one with that. <laughs> You're going to um, keep us up to date, aren't you? Because now, now you've joined yeah. our little sort of sports team here, here in Newark. Yeah. Um, we want to know um, where you're going and um, what what you're getting up to. And uh, Arizona, I mean, that is just something special, isn't it? I mean, it's it's big it's wide it's yeah i mean it's a perfect it's all destination. the same by the way it's all sand so yeah. you know i know what you like with green <laughs> it's it's not the most prettiest place in the world but it's definitely got more land than we need and it's really easy to skydive there it's good weather yeah absolutely brilliant um kate uh, when i when you come in i knew absolutely nothing nothing at all about skydiving now i think i'm an expert um I, i'm of course too old aren't i no no I so when are you booking in yeah i thought you might say that <laughs> um I, 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 I will work on behalf of our breakfast show team and make sure that they're ready sure you'll come back and see us again please um, later that. on in yep. the year um, when we get um, vicky fit and ready again yep. and um just do a little bit of coaching for them for them both because they're doing it for a fantastic cause they're doing it for the children's bereavement center so they're doing it for a fantastic cause and i i know deep down they are actually looking forward to it okay thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time That's tonight fine. it's thank been you very absolutely much fascinating and um this show will be the one that's podcast for our saturday specials either this saturday or the following saturday because uh, i've been 
fuller entertained tonight and really enjoyed it tomorrow night it's team owens as we said they're all here tilly lauren amber and gareth to try and keep them under control assuming that uh, tilly's doing the driving and she can find a way here coming up next though the one and only blues with mr stuart preston we are-